I asked what your biggest songwriting struggles were, and you answered. And in this fourth bonus episode, we are continuing to go through your responses about what your biggest songwriting struggles are. So let's talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast, another bonus episode where we are talking about your responses to what your number one biggest songwriting struggles are. Again, these different answers, we're not just going to address them here in this format, but also eventually we'll be making content about it. I already have started planning out some videos that are in response to some of these and some of the recurring themes that I saw. So there will be some short form videos on the YouTube channel if you are listening via podcast right now rather than watching the video. Here's a reminder, there is a YouTube channel as well. It's also Songwriter Theory, and we have short-form content there, whether that be actual YouTube shorts, which there are some of those, and then mostly videos that are something like 5 to 10, 15 minutes. So be sure to check that out if you weren't aware that that exists. Once in a while, I get an email where it's like, huh, it seems like some people don't know that there, there's a YouTube channel. It's not just a podcast. Um, but anyway... If you haven't already, be sure to grab my free guide on 20 different ways to start writing a song. This is something that I updated in the last couple months because it desperately needed it. So now it has 20 ways to start a song instead of 10, which is better. And it's also much shorter of a guide. It's now more of a cheat sheet than it is a full guide because who wants to read a ton? I think it used to be like 20 pages or something. It's shorter now, much easier to just go through the list and be like, oh, that's an interesting way to start a song. I'm going to do that. I had writer's block before, and then I thought, huh, reverse engineer an interesting song concept from a song title that I think is cool. Never thought to do that before. And then all of a sudden, it can help with your inspiration. And I find it's a great way to mix things up a little bit so that you're not always writing songs the same way. Because if you're anything like me, and we're both human, so in this way, we're probably kind of the same in that if you always start songs the same way, that's often how we get into creative blocks when we always start our song with, I'm going to grab my guitar and start with a chord progression. Eventually, it just starts to get stale. It starts to be harder and harder to be original with that. But just going to the piano or starting with a melody or starting with a song title can immediately get you back on track creatively. So that's the songwritertheory.com slash free guide, as always. So let's get back into your biggest songwriting struggles. First one for today. My biggest struggle in songwriting is assigning chords to a song I've written or finding interesting chords and melodies. I know stock chord progressions are bad, but I don't know where to start with chords. I don't really want to dive too deep into music theory, and I still would prefer easy and common chords in my songs, but creative progressions if possible. So like with a lot of your responses, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Probably could make like five different full-length podcasts just off of what is in this comment. Lots of good stuff. But let's start with this. I know stock chord progressions are bad part. Because I've heard enough people say that, that I feel like maybe I need to re-communicate when I talk against stock chord progressions what I mean. Because first of all, it's not true that stock chord progressions are bad. I don't think that's true. What I say is true is it's bad as a songwriter to never get past always starting songs with stock chord progressions. 
because that means you don't actually understand how to even put together your own chord progression. It means that you're stuck with the same five, six chord progressions over and over and over and over again. Also, usually it's, it's just harder or oftentimes people won't even bother to come up with like interesting riffs or anything. So you might not come up with an interesting piano riff that's sort of melodic and has an interesting rhythm to it or something because you're too busy just thinking in terms of stock chord progressions. Oh, I'm going to do a one, five, six, four or a one, six, five, four. And I would compare it to something like if you think, okay, I'm going to design my own house. And then instead of custom designing your house where you can really actually determine what kind of rooms you want to have, where the rooms go. Now, instead, you go to a company that specializes in building your own home where really they have four house templates and then little variations within them. So you can choose ranch number one, ranch number two, colonial number one or colonial number two. And then maybe you can pay a little extra and they'll build you a cape or Cape Cod style house as people not from New England call it, but in New England, we just call it Cape, them capes. But that is technically building your own house, sort of, but really it's not, right? You had four, maybe five different options. And yeah, maybe you can be like, ooh, but I want my dining room to be green. But like really you didn't customize the house. You just sort of chose from different options. And maybe you have an option like you can have an opening between the dining room and the family room, or you can have a half wall and then sort of a big opening, or you can have a full wall and a door. Woo, custom home. And, it, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Except it's really limiting. If you really want to build your own house where you have a cool room that's just for like board games and big tables so people can gather and play board games at your house and then there's like a coffee nook in the corner and then you want another room that is special for like you really like VR or something. So you have a special VR room that is a little space that's just built for this is a place where somebody can safely do VR and there's no furniture around. They're not going to slam into a wall. And, you know, the people can watch in, in an area that is safely away from those people. Whatever. You can not do that if you just have the, oh, we can kind of choose and swap things between four different options. But that first thing where you basically really aren't customizing your house at all, that's what stock core progressions are, right? It's fine. And it's a fine place to start if you're writing your first songs. In fact, I would say if you're writing your first song, a stock chord progression is the best way to start your first song. But if you're three years into songwriting and you're still just picking one of the five to six stock chord progressions for every chord progression, I, I mean, that's like, you know, building 30 houses and every time you're like, ah, let's just do another cookie cutter house. Why? You know what I mean? Like, it's not like learning the basics of chord progressions is that hard. There's tons of content about it. Like my own content, there's other songwriting content out there and other just music theory content. It's not like you need to take a college course. Like this stuff is not that complex. If you just learn keys, that goes a long way. In fact, I have free guides about this. Um, whether the music theory uh, cheat sheet, I think I call it, where it basically allows you to bypass under understanding the theory at all and just gives you the answers of like, hey, G major has these basic chords. Go. If you know the chords in G major, that's like half the battle. Maybe not half the battle, but um, anyway, I don't want to spend too, too long on that, but stock chord progressions aren't bad. 
short version. But it is not good if you're limited to stock chord progressions, right? It's like, it's, it's like as a guitarist and as a songwriter, there's nothing wrong with strumming your chords for a song. But if you literally are incapable of doing anything but strumming open G chords, open D major chords, open E minor chords, open uh, C major chords, and then once in a while you're like, ooh, feeling frisky, I'm going to do an F major chord. If you're like limited to that, it's just incredibly limiting, right? You can still be a good songwriter, but of course it's going to be easier to write more and better songs if you're able to do some pick picking and you know your power chords. Of course that's going to help. Um, which is really my my take on music theory as a whole, uh, as those of you who have listened for a while have heard. Is it necessary? No, nothing is necessary. Literally nothing is necessary to write a song. Anybody can write a song. To write good songs consistently, it sure does help to learn music theory. Um, so assigning so for the assigning chords to a song I've written. So anyway, stock chord progressions aren't bad, but yes, you should graduate away from them. Assigning chords to a song I've written or finding interesting chords. Um, so finding, let's talk about assigning chords to a song I've written. Um, first of all, I would argue you haven't written a song if you don't already have chords for it, right? Because a song is a melody, chords, or at least some form of harmony, and lyrics. If you're missing any of those, it's not a song. Right? Like if you just have lyrics, then you just have a poem. You don't have a song. If you just have a chord progression, you don't have a song because there's no melody. Um, you could argue that it is a piece of music still, right? Like lots of, there might be some classical songs or like Hans Zimmer type songs where there's no discernible melody, but it's still a full uh, composition. Uh, but usually you wouldn't call that a song, right? It's a composition. It's a little, it's a little different. That's getting kind of nuanced and we're not going to go there. But um so beyond being pedantic about it's not actually a song if you don't have chords for it yet. Um, so, so I assume based on the comment that really what you're saying is you have melody and lyrics and you're trying to figure out chords to go with it. The answer that you're not going to want to hear, but it's true, is if you want to do that and you want to do that in a non-excruciating way, you have to learn basic music theory. You, if, if you, if you're a person who is like, man, I hate music theory, I'm about to click off this podcast slash this video because this guy tells me that music theory is useful and I hate him for it. If you're thinking that, here's my final piece of advice before you go. If you really don't want to learn music theory for whatever reason, probably you just don't know what it is. A lot of people think it's like reading sheet music and all this academic knowledge that doesn't matter, which is silly. I don't know where that opinion comes from, but many people have it. Um, if you are in that camp, the by far the easiest way for you to write songs where not knowing music theory doesn't really affect you that much is you have to start with something that is harmony. So whether it's a bass line or chord progression or whatever, and then write melody, and writing melody probably with your voice, and then write lyrics. The reason that you're, in my opinion, kind of stuck with you have to write songs that way is because that's the only way that you can write songs without applying any real knowledge. And even that, it still does, because you can't really write your own chord progression, or 
will be long and excruciating because you don't really know what you're doing. You're just picking random chords until they work together, which sounds horribly excruciating to me. I would much rather just be like, oh, I know G major has the chords G major, A minor, B minor, C major, D major, E minor, and then an F sharp diminished, which I'm not going to use probably, but and then, of course, all the sus chords and all that within that. And I know that the notes I have are all the natural keys except for F, which is F sharp. That seems like a way easier thing to learn and then be able to just know what chords and notes I have. That seems way easier than just randomly hitting notes and chords until I find something that works. But if we're going to be stubborn about that, uh, which I do not recommend, in case you haven't gathered, uh, and in, ca in case I haven't belabored that point enough, if you start with a chord progression, maybe a stock one, because stock chord progressions don't require you to understand any theory. You just pick a chord progression that other people tell you works and you take them at their word and then you go with it. And we all, if you're even halfway decent singer, or even if you're not a decent singer, I think we all just, in, in, like the idea of me singing over a chord progression and I can hear that note doesn't sound right, that note does sound right. We're not thinking in terms of notes. So nobody's thinking like, ooh, I'm singing a C sharp, but I'm in C major, so I should sing a C. People with perfect pitch think that, but almost nobody has perfect pitch. For the rest of us, we're all just thinking like, oh, clearly that note's not quite right. And we can lock on to pitches that are right and within key without thinking about it. You're probably not going to be able to write melodies with other instruments like piano, which is my favorite instrument to write melodies with. I think it's the best way to write melodies. Or guitar, if you're a really good guitarist and you're good at soloing, you could write melodies on a guitar. But if you don't know basic theory, like, for example, this song is in C major, therefore I use my C major scale. Those are the notes that I have. It's as simple as that. Um, so you're kind of stuck with, like, that's that's the way to write songs. And if you just want to do that over and over and over again, go for it. Um, but again, I don't recommend it. There's a whole wide world out there. Uh, if you have something in your head that tells you you can't, learn theory for some reason. I don't know what gave you that idea. I don't know why people think it's like academic knowledge that only like people with doctorate degrees in college get, or I don't know, there's some weird elitist thing around it, which I don't understand. I don't understand how it got branded as this like elitist highfalutin thing that I, 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 I truly don't understand. Um, but yes, that is the very long answer to the multiple implied questions within this comment, I think. Um, so, oh, okay. And then finally, uh, when it comes to interesting chords, interesting chords are good, but also overrated. <laughs> I know that sounds like they shouldn't go together, but a chord progression is never going to make a song. I think you're limited as a songwriter if you're constrained to the same five chord progressions over and over again. But that doesn't mean that the chord progression is the most important part of a song you you know if you have a sweet bass line and a sweet melody and a sweet piano riff and then real later you realize oh all of that cool stuff actually the underlying chord progression is a one five six four it doesn't matter because you still have the sweet bass line and this and the sweet vocal melody so um chords are important and also overrated. If you had to choose two of your three things in your song to be great, melody and lyrics, every time. <laughs> every time. Chord progression is a distant third. Um, but it is good 
and better if you can even have interesting chords, I think, that fit with the song. And in that case, uh, I recommend just pick like one chord at a time, right? So if, if you've only done real basic stock chord progressions, just start with, I'm going to have one chord in my chord progression that is an inversion, first inversion maybe. So instead of C major in root position with the C in the bass, I'm going to do C major with an E in the bass, first inversion, or G in the bass, second inversion. Something as simple as that, or just be like, I'm going to use one sus chord. Going to figure out which sus chord to use and use that in my song. And with each song, just, you know, try throwing in one chord. I recommend doing the same thing for stuff like borrowed chords. You know, don't, don't like learn all the borrowed chords at once and be like, I'm going to put every borrowed chord in my song. No, just pick one, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's your flat four. Maybe instead you opt to go for the flat major six or the major three chord in the context of a uh, major key where normally it would not be a major three chord. It would be a minor three chord. But generally, just like pick one, uh, and, th- and it's going to be just a lot easier. Uh, and over time, the more you do that, the more these things become more and more second nature because practice doesn't make perfect, but it makes a whole heck of a lot better. All right. I've recently emailed you on this very topic. I've gotten pretty good at song construction and writing decent melodies, but I stop once I get to writing lyrics. I have seen very few videos that cover this process because it's long and tedious and I know it's not easy. Now I'm diving into this area to see how to improve and to get to the point where I can finish my songs. This really is my big struggle. So first of all, hopefully I did respond to your email. The way you say that makes me think that I might have missed the email or forgot to respond or didn't hit send or something. So I'm sorry if that's the case. But um so stopping once I get to writing lyrics. On, on the video front, let me address that first. I have put some thought into how to do that without making excruciating because like a real video showing people how to write lyrics, I don't really know how you do that with honestly without, um, without just having like a two-hour long video of a camera over somebody's shoulder that just nobody would want to watch. Um, you know, it, it's, it's like you know, you wouldn't want to watch a video of somebody building a house, right? You might want to watch a video of how to put one beam into another. I, what I just said is probably stupid, but you know what I mean? Like like one, one simple part of building a house, right? But but to, it's just such a big thing with a lot of nuanced stuff going on, and there's a lot of just sitting and thinking maybe involved, I just don't know how to do a video that would do its service. If you have any ideas, be sure to let me know in the comments down below if you're on YouTube. Um, But yeah, so anyway, I have been thinking about that. On the I stop once I get to writing lyrics portion, um, <laughs> I think this is another, you're probably not going to like this answer, but I think it's true. You just have to not stop once you get to writing lyrics. I think things that will help you to not stop when you get to writing lyrics is planning it out beforehand and not diving directly into writing lyrics because writing lyrics is writing poetry and poetry is more constrained than prose, right? So prose is just how I'm speaking right now, basic English, right? or whatever language you're writing songs in. 
slash speaking. And when it comes to poetry, right, you're thinking about tons of things. You're thinking about meter, the meter has to work. And, the, and if you have a rhyme scheme, that has to work. You're also a little bit more worried about individual words, right? Like we can afford to have fluff in prose, even in a book, right? You can afford to have a certain level of fluff that a song just really can't afford to have. So there's a lot of pressure on like each word in a final lyric. So a helpful way to bypass that is to go in baby steps, like I talk about in my six-step lyric writing checklist at songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist, um, is, is to take steps, baby steps, where you're never asking yourself to just sit and write brilliant lyrics because you're basically saying improvise poetry. And we, basically everybody is going to fail at that, right? You might be able to do it, but it's probably not going to be very good. And... It's not because you suck. It's because no human's good at that, right? A lot of people can't to, to even speak in prose for a long period of time to monologue like what I'm doing now. Like a lot of people can't or don't aren't very good at that, right? So why why would we be good at being immediately deep and poetic? It's just very hard, right? So just, we shouldn't ask ourselves to do that. There's no reason to ask ourselves to do that. Right. So instead, take some time, outline your song, figure out, okay, the first, the, the, my main theme is X. And I'm going to communicate that in the chorus. So that's what the chorus needs to communicate. In my first verse, I need to communicate uh, this, I need to give this context before we get to the theme in the chorus. So try to outline. Um, try also, you know, different outlines as well. And then just do prose writing, where you're just sort of basically taking the attitude of you're writing a journal entry from the point of view, or just free writing, just free writing, anything that comes to mind to do with the song. No rules, just write. Your goal is to just write and to get out of that editor mindset. Because a lot of times the reason we stop with lyrics is that editor mind comes in. And I think this is going to come up in another uh Another thing that somebody talks about here, I don't know if it will be in this episode or if it will go to a next episode because I'm already taking a very long time with each of these answers. Um, so that editor brain is our biggest enemy when we're writing. So we need to take steps to get that editor brain to turn off. And something we can do is just write in prose, free write, because then we don't have that pressure of I'm writing the lyrics. The second we think I'm writing the lyrics all of a sudden ideas evaporate. I think it's the same idea as a lot of times what they'll tell you to do. If, if you're like a recording engineer, they'll tell you, tell the person that it's just a practice run, but record it secretly. Because a lot of times that's the person's best take because mentally they think, oh, I'm not being recorded right now. So they don't freeze up. They just sing normally and they kill it. Then as soon as they think, ooh, I'm recording, and I'm recording my vocal take now, they freeze up. So it's just, a, it's just a mental barrier. I think we get the same thing with with writing and lyric writing. So the the more we can break it up into steps, the, the less we have that pressure, and the more we set ourselves up to succeed. Next one, finding song titles that haven't been taken many times over. All right, so just to make sure 
I'm going to say something that is maybe obvious, but I, ju I just want to make sure. For the record, if you're worried about like the legality or like song titles are not copyrightable, right? There's a million songs called Forever. That's fine. It doesn't matter. Uh, probably don't call your song Forever just because, you know, that one's been used a trillion times. Um, but there's a million songs called Forever. There's a million songs called Tonight, unfortunately. A million songs probably called something like You. So it's not a legal problem, nor is it a creative problem. If what you mean by this is you just want to have song titles that feel more original, a lot of times an easier way to do this is to dive a little bit deeper, maybe use more words. So instead of a two-word title, maybe make it half of your, let's say the title is taken from the final line of your course and your final line of the course is like 10 words and you just took the last two words. You're like, those are the main words out of the title. Try just stretching it to the last five words of that line and it may, it's a longer title now, but maybe it will be a little bit more different because the last two words alone were kind of like, eh, I feel like I've heard this before. Um, another thing you can do, especially if you're starting with a song title or it's early in the song process and you're not constrained to the lyrics you've already written when it comes to coming up with your song title, in which case something you can do is just take like a noun and a, a adjective that normally wouldn't be paired with that noun and put them together. And that creates a interesting symbolism and B usually an interesting different title. So just as maybe silly examples, if you take the ocean, right. And then you say angry ocean, well, an ocean literally can't be angry because it's an ocean. It doesn't have feelings. It's just an inanimate object. So there's no such thing as an angry ocean. So immediately it becomes a little intriguing. Now, it's a little maybe less intriguing, A, because that, that specific thing probably has been used before. I'm sure it has. But then you can take it one step further where we do kind of all understand that when I say angry ocean, you probably have an image in your head. You probably thought, oh, yeah, like stormy and the, and the waves are really high. So you can take it one step further and pair two things that really don't go together where it's something like, I don't know, benevolent desert. That doesn't even seem to make sense. So if you can figure out a way that benevolent desert makes sense and it's a compelling, interesting image, that can be you know a, a great way to go. I'm not saying that's a great song title because it's off the top of my head. But this is a decent process I've found for coming up with an interesting, different, intriguing song title is take two things that don't seem to go together, smash them together, see what you get. Also, one last thing on this, I find that it's easier to come up with interesting titles or just, just stuff that is worth saying in songs, just better lyrics, better, when you fancy yourself a poet and a philosopher, right? Philosophy is not restricted to just Aristotle, right? So... And I don't mean like you start walking around like, I'm the best, I'm a philosopher, I'm so deep and, and important. Not like that. But just sort of take a little pride in, in, in like, you know what, I'm going to think about things more deeply than the average person. 
I'm going to think a little bit longer on things. I'm going to ask questions about life longer than other people. I'll dwell on those ideas and thoughts longer than people. I'll start to really think about what do I really believe? What do I think is true about the world longer than other people? Because that's what poets and philosophers do. And that's what we should be to at least a degree. If you as a songwriter aren't thinking about the world more deeply than the average person who's not creating any art, because the average person is not creating any art, that's a problem, right? Because then what, what, what do you have to say if you're talking about the same stuff that Susie Poo down the road who spends all her time just, I don't know, watching TikTok videos, if, 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 if your level of thought is the same as that, then you, then you probably don't have something to offer to say that's interesting because you haven't thought about it, right? Not because you're not an interesting person, just because you haven't taken, dove a little deeper. Um, and obviously I'm not saying this is you. All, all of these answers, don't take any of this as, because I don't know who asked the question, right? I'm just trying to address it in as many ways as I can. So sequence of story, number two, sequence of story development in a song. Outlining can help. But then if you're asking for a more direct, how do I sequence my story in a song? The answer, of course, is it depends. Try to figure out the best order to tell the story that resonates. So for example, Cats in the Cradle, that just goes in chronological order. But I think that story being told in chronological order packs the biggest punch that way. Because you see the slow, the father keeps making these choices, and at some point you know it's inevitable that the father will regret these choices and the consequences, the natural consequences of these choices of not prioritizing his son. So then you get to the tragic end where the inevitable happens and it it packs the biggest punch being told in that order. But then if you take, I'm going to now compare it to not a song because I can't think of a song off the top of my head for this, but almost any Christopher Nolan movie where he does you know stuff with time, I'll take Oppenheimer because that's fresh on the mind. He does not tell that story in chronological order. And the reason is, A, he's Christopher Nolan, so of course not. <laughs> and B, the ending he gets to, the big reveal of what was the conversation between Oppenheimer and Einstein, which is touched on at the very beginning of the film, but we don't actually get the answer until the end, is the best way to pack the biggest emotional punch at the end. So tell the story in the way that is going to be most impactful. Now, you may say, now, that's probably the best answer I can give you. But if you're looking for a more direct, no, just tell me what to do answer, I'll give you two outlines that are fairly commonly used. One is, for both, usually the present tense is in the chorus. And then one of them has the future that you hope for, or maybe the future you fear, the future in the first verse, then you have the present in the chorus. And then in the second verse, you go back in time and say, how did we get here? So first verse, future, second uh, chorus, present, second verse is going back in the past. And then the bridge can be, you know, whatever you think is most resonant. You know, can we get to this future that I hope for? Why we won't get to the future that I hope for? Usually it's going to be a little bit more emotionally charged, the bridge. 
The alternative is still the chorus is going to be the present, but instead you, I guess, tell in chronological order where you have just the, the past and then the present. And then in the second verse, you talk about, okay, here's a future that I hope we can get to. And then in the bridge, maybe you say, but here's why I'm worried why we won't get there. Those are two easy ones that you can use. Uh, but treat that the same as stock chord progressions, right? First, think about what is the best way to tell this story. And don't worry about those two outline templates I gave you. Um, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with using those templates. They're tried and true. Um, you know, don't, don't, don't be more complex than you need to be. But, um, you know, don't, don't just default to those two over and over and over again. All right. We're at 34 minutes here. We're at a decent amount of time. So we will cut it here and I will continue this in another episode. Hey, maybe we'll get like 12 or 13 bonus episodes out of this. Hopefully people are still listening and watching by the end. Uh, hopefully it's still helpful to you. Again, if you haven't already, be sure to grab my free guide, songwritertheory.com slash free guide. It will help you with starting songs and not getting writer's block, especially early on in the process. And I think I mentioned lyric writing process. So songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist for my six-step lyric writing checklist. The six steps I go through that at least help me to get out of my own head and end up with lyrics that I feel proud of. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. And I'll talk to you in the next one.